And a very good evening to you. Welcome to The Catholic View. I'm Sheila Pierce. Thank you so much for being here with us. Coming up in today's broadcast, we take a look at some health matters. We'll be talking about anxiety, depression, as well as medication overuse. That's coming up a bit later, but first we begin with some of the stories making headlines in Africa and beyond. And that will be done by Mahadi Butelezi. Listen to Radio Veritas, 576 AM, for a change. Bringing you your news headlines from Africa and beyond. Divine mercy excludes no one, says Pope Francis. Reconciliation in Africa and International Spot for Peace Day, observed on Wednesday. Good evening, I am Mahadi Butilezi. During his weekly general audience held every Wednesday at St. Peter's Square, Pope Francis began a new chapter on mercy. Pope Francis explained why Christ took mercy to its fullest. Chris Alteri has more. The Holy Father said that the Gospels show us a Jesus who, in every moment of his earthly life, made mercy visible. Meeting the crowds, announcing the Gospel, healing the sick, drawing close to the forgotten and pardoning sinners. The Pope went on to say that the love Christ showed was a love open to all, a love which was fulfilled on the cross. Jesus, said Pope Francis in an emphatic departure from his prepared remarks, did not bring hatred, nor did he bring enmity. He brought love, a great love, a heart open to all, to all of us, a love that saves. The Holy Father went on to say that no one is excluded from God's merciful love, and that he proved this once and for all from the cross. We are all sinners, he said in another emphatic departure, but we are all forgiven. We all have the possibility of receiving this pardon, which is the mercy of God. We need not fear, therefore, to recognize ourselves as sinners, confess ourselves sinners, because every sin was carried by the Son to the cross. Pope Francis concluded with an exhortation to frequent the sacrament of reconciliation, saying that it offers us the forgiveness that flows from the cross and which renews us in his grace, and inviting everyone everywhere in this jubilee year to embrace the gospel with greater vigor and be heralds of the Father's mercy and forgiveness. I'm Chris Oltieri. Following a four-day meeting held in Accra, Ghana, the Secretaries-General of the Symposium of Episcopal Conferences of Africa and Madagascar have stated that the inability to foster long-lasting reconciliation in Africa has been described as a major challenge in the quest for political stability, sustenance of democracy and lasting peace. The African Secretaries-General also stated that the Catholic Church has an indispensable role to play in the finding of solutions to the need to bring about healing and reconciliation on the African continent. 
African countries can position themselves to be front runners in the goal to achieve a more sustainable future. That's the opinion of Fatima Denton, an energy expert who heads the Special Initiatives Division at the African Climate Policy Center in Addis Ababa, Ethiopia, which has just wrapped up African Development Week. NSG Cho caught up with Ms. Denton to find out what implications the recently adopted Paris Agreement on Climate Change will have for the continent. First of all, it's important to make a few observations vis-à-vis the Paris Agreement. This is the first time world leaders, not just Africa, came to a consensus about the need to decouple fossil fuel use from economic prosperity. And I think in many ways for Africa, it means that we can also leapfrog technologies. We have very low emissions, but we can already position ourselves as front runners in the way in which we arrive at this um, decarbonized um, route. Very much is said about greening industrialization, smart industrialization in Africa. But the big question is financing green growth in Africa. How big a challenge is that and are there solutions to that? Where Africa is concerned, I think a lot is expected to come from public sources. Um, Governments would have to look to themselves and they have to make an an implicit um, choice to deliberately move towards that trajectory. It's a choice actually because they can decide to take alternative forms of development. Um, So I'd say domestic resource mobilization is very centrally placed in terms of where the monies would come from. The private sector cannot be in the periphery, they have to be part of this. We have a lot of um, people in the diaspora um, so that, uh, again, could be another element or another source of funding, you know, to see how monies from remittances could be put to use. Um, there are already those kind of initiatives that we're seeing across the continent. Now, under the Paris Agreement, governments are allowed to put forward their own targets for reducing emissions. Sounds like a pretty discretionary thing. So what mechanisms are there to ensure effective implementation of these policies? The INDCs, the Intended Nationally Determined Contributions, which have now become internationally determined contributions. So it's basically saying all countries need to declare what they're going to do in terms of reducing greenhouse gas emissions. The unique thing about countries in Africa is that the INDCs is not only a metaphor for action, it has to be aligned with Africa's development plans. Africa's main imperative is adaptation. And so what African countries were able to do is to make sure that adaptation features in their nationally determined contribution as well. So I think those things are complex um, issues that have not been resolved by the Paris Agreement that will need to be resolved in terms of what are the verifiable metric systems and standards in place that would enable countries to say that, yes, um, we're all working towards the same targets. South African labor expert Terry Bell says raising interest rates is not a means to stop increasing prices. The Reserve Bank says the only way to stop increasing prices is for them to continue raising interest rates. The bank says it is doing this in order to keep inflation in check. Labor expert Terry Bell says the interest rates, fuel and food going up, unions and employers are going to be faced with challenges when it comes to salary negotiations. Well, I think I agree with the unions on this score, and that is that this is a very simplistic way and a very crude way of trying to deal with a problem that is multifaceted. Um, 
it's merely going to create more and more trouble, more and more problems for ordinary working people. We already have a massive problem of household debt. 80%, I mean, it's, it's roughly, I think, in every rand, talking about the average family, although one should never use sort of averages, but nonetheless, 21 cents in every rand of disposable income is all they have left after debt. So you add to this, on top of what we've just had, the fuel, fuel price increase, the increases across the board, from the last budget with the road tax, etc., it's going to push up prices anyhow. So they have created the problem. They then try to deal with it by creating more problems for working people. There are other ways of doing these things. What you do by increasing your interest rates, you have people in, say, United States or Japan who can borrow money at one and a half, two percent or something. They then invest it in this country at seven, eight, ten percent or whatever return, and it creates more problems for the national debt. So I think there are other ways of doing these things, and it requires an overall view. It requires a holistic view. We need a decent import-export policy, a decent agricultural, a decent industrial policy. That's where the problem lies. Concern is mounting over an increasing number of mob attacks taking place in Malawi. The UN Human Rights Officer said on Tuesday that Malawian authorities needed to address the root causes of their attacks and encourage people to report crimes to the police as opposed to taking justice into their own hands. Here is UN spokesperson Fahan Hek. Over the past two months, at least nine separate incidents leading to the death of 16 people have been reported across the country. The office is urging the authorities in Malawi to act promptly to identify and prosecute those involved in mob killings and to offer remedy to victims. The UN-backed International Criminal Court, ICC, has decided that there is no case to answer following allegations of crimes against humanity leveled at the Kenyan deputy president. Charges against William Ruto and former journalist Joshua Arab Sang were vacated by the court with the possibility that the case could be prosecuted again at a later time. Matthew Wells reports. The two were charged with crimes against humanity stemming from ethnic violence following the presidential election of 2007, which left more than 1,000 people dead and 500,000 displaced, according to news reports. The decision was split, with a majority of judges arguing that the prosecution had not brought sufficient evidence to continue to trial. And finally, 2016 is a groundbreaking year for the UN Global Goals and Spot, a senior advisor has said on the International Spot for Peace Day observed on Wednesday. The UN has long recognized the right to sport and physical education as a fundamental right, as it's also a powerful tool that unites people, promotes equality and equity. Jocelyn Sambira has the story. Let's play for the Sustainable Development Goals, urged Wilfried Lemke, the Special Advisor for the Secretary General on Sport, in a recent video message. A digital campaign was launched ahead of the day by the UN Office on Sport for Peace and Development, asking the public to show their support. Here's Mr. Lemke. Not only does sport improve health and well-being, it also instills positive values that facilitate and stimulate personal and social development. Sport is universal. It transcends differences and promotes inclusion and equality. He urged the international community to come together to promote programs on the ground that use sport to facilitate development and peace. And these have been your news from Africa and beyond. Have yourselves a very good evening.
You are still listening to the Catholic View on Radio Veritas, coming to you on 5.76 a.m., otherwise on 8.70 DSTV Audio Bouquet. Thank you once again for being here with us, and that was Mahadi Butelezi bringing us up to date with some of the stories that have made headlines throughout the day in Africa and beyond. Coming up next, we're talking about anxiety, depression, and medication overuse. <laughs> Many people suffer from the effects of medication overuse headaches, otherwise known as MOH, and this is detrimental to our daily functioning. A new study found that mental illness such as anxiety and depression can also be associated with medication overuse headaches, making this form of headache even more debilitating. The study recently published in European Journal of Neurology found that nearly 50% of chronic headache sufferers also suffer from medication overuse headaches and that these patients had significantly higher headache disability and anxiety scores than the general population. Now to find out more about anxiety, depression associated with medication overuse headaches, I spoke to Dr. Elliot Shevel, South Africa's migraine surgery pioneer and the medical director of the headache clinic. Anxiety, it's not necessarily medication overuse headache. It's headaches in general that result in anxiety and depression. And there's a, there's a mechanism here. You know, when somebody's in constant pain, of course they can become depressed. But what also happens is that their sleep patterns are interfered with. So they're not getting proper sleep. And as you know, one method of torturing somebody is to keep them from sleeping. So if you're not getting the proper sleep, it can certainly cause depression. And it can also cause anxiety, and it can cause loss of memory. So there are, and can cause panic attacks. So there are a number of things that go hand in glove with constant pain or frequent and severe pain. And that's how it is... It, that's the connection between headaches and migraine and depression. Now, most doctors think that depression causes the headaches. But certainly in my experience over the last 25 years at the headache clinic, we see that when we treat the headache successfully, which we can do in most people, and without the use of drugs, by the way, when we treat the headaches and they no longer have headaches or their pain is diminished to a, a, a really significant amount, they often say that they don't any longer feel depressed. And uh, there's a very good reason for it, and that's because the, they don't have the pain anymore. I think anybody would be depressed if they had constant pain. Interesting, though, interesting to see that actually lack of sleep or rather lack of proper sleep can yeah, lead one sleep. yeah, can lead one to being anxious as well as depression. Very interesting to hear that because that happens most often, especially with uh, young adults who, are, who overwork themselves. Yeah, it is. Uh, as far as medication overuse headache goes, that is slightly different. Of course... 
if you if your original headache is made worse by the medication, you've then got the original headache plus the medication overuse headache, so it's worse. So that's why it can become even your depression and anxiety and other problems can become worse, become worse um, with uh, medication overuse. But it's all it's not the medication itself that's doing it. It's the it's the increased pain levels that are brought on by the medication that are causing these um, these problems of depression. And I, I like the fact that you said at the headache clinic, of course, you are able to treat these uh, cases without the use of medication. In now, most patients. In most we patients. Prefer, we, we have developed treatments here. Uh, we can diagnose where the pain is coming from. And we've developed treatments for headaches and migraines, uh, which are very successful and which do not require the use of medication. And that, for me, is a first prize, because um, all medications have side effects. So we want to avoid that, if at all possible, you know. The other topic, of course, is the headache of family holidays. Quite a lot happens during family holidays, and I was just reading your article here. I see that children also suffer from migraines. How is it that children suffer from migraines? Well, you see, it's an interesting idea that children are different from adults. They're no different. They're just smaller editions of the same thing. And children have their stresses as well. They might be different stresses to the ones we have, but they certainly do have their stresses. The other thing to remember is that migraine is passed on through the genes. So if your parents have got it, you have got a much better chance of having it. It doesn't mean you definitely will, but you've got a better chance. So children certainly do suffer from migraine, not as much as adults. And the interesting reason here is that little boys and girls have the same number of migraines. As soon as the girls start with puberty and their menstrual cycle, the ratio goes to 3 to 1. And that's because the hormonal changes during a normal menstrual cycle are, can trigger off a migraine. So girls have got an additional important trigger not only the stress and the other triggers. They have additional important triggers. So that's why the, uh, the ratio goes up at puberty. But yes, children can get headaches. And you know, there's a big problem with this because, because of the misconception that children shouldn't have headaches, many children are not believed. So the parents just think that they're trying to get out of doing homework or not wanting to go to school. And so the child suffers, and this can lead to, certainly lead to depression and other mental problems later. So if your child says they've got headaches, you must, please, you must have it looked at. There are cases, of course, particularly when the parents are headache sufferers, where the child might copy the parent to get out of doing homework or going to school. But you can't take the chance because it's a very real problem. And it affects their lives, it affects their sporting life and their social life, just as adults. So children are very important, you've got to look at it. The other thing is, uh -huh. certain there are certain brain tumors that can occur in children that don't occur so much in adults, and they should be checked out for that as well.
And what should be the first steps that parents take when a child comes to them and says, I'm having a headache? What should be the first steps that you do, especially if you're at home? What should be the immediate well, thing to home, do? They usually will give the child some over-the-counter medication. But, um, you know, if a child came with, um, with chest pain, they, they wouldn't self-medicate at home. What the parents should do is take the child to see the proper experts to find out if it's really if the child really is suffering from a headache and because they can't fool us at the headache clinic we can tell we can find out if the patient is having a headache or not or just saying they've got a headache and the other thing is we can then do something about it so the, the right thing to do is to have it checked out by the experts all right, great stuff. Well, thank you so much for that uh, informative uh, session right now regarding uh, children's headaches and migraines or migraines. But now, uh, still talking about the, the Easter holidays, any form of holidays, rather, for people who do suffer from headaches, is the, the parents as well. You know, uh, children are at home running around. There's yeah. more pressure on parents to pay more attention to the children. It's not just a four hours in the evening but it's the whole day with the children and it can definitely have that effect exactly the the other thing is long car journeys Mm -hmm. with motion sickness Uh, headache sufferers tend to get more motion sickness Uh, out in the hot sun especially during december that can bring on headaches playing on the beach etc and for the parents late nights and uh, alcohol and eating too much all these things can uh, can bring on headaches so Yes, unfortunately, the holiday periods can sometimes see a spike in headaches. What would be your advice to uh, people who suffer, who normally suffer from headaches and migraines? What would be your advice during a holiday season, especially when it comes to their children, so that they don't lose their temper and want to rather be isolated instead of being with the family, as it is a time for family? It's very difficult for, for parents to do anything. You know, if you're not properly qualified to handle the problem, uh, it's so difficult. Um, most people rely on over-the-counter drugs, which if the headaches are not so frequent, that's not not a big deal. They can use them. But if they're very frequent, then you are going to cause medication overuse headache. The main thing, the main message is that we have to find out where the pain is coming from and why the, the, why the pain is there. And once we can do that, we can then get rid of it. Instead of the parents have to try and handle some child that is really suffering, there's not much they can do. You know, it's without the proper equipment and the proper uh, investigations and the proper treatment, there's very little parents can do. Well, Dr. Elliot Shevel, once again, thank you so much for sharing this in, uh, information with us. Before I let you go, anything else you'd like to add? You know, people might want to contact us. Okay, well, our national number is 0861-678-911. It's 0861-678-911. And our staff are very well trained to give people the right advice and to tell them how we work and, and, and how, we go, how we go about getting rid of the headaches.
My thanks goes there once again to Dr. Elliot Shevel, South Africa's migraine surgery pioneer and the medical director of the Headache Clinic, talking to us about anxiety, depression associated with medication overuse headaches, as well as the headache of family holidays. You've been listening to The Catholic Viewer, a program produced and presented by Shayla Beer. Should you wish to get in touch with me, feel free to send me an email. It's shayla at radioveritas.co.ca. We'll be back again tomorrow evening at the same time. Until then, thank you so much for listening. God bless you and ciao, ciao.